Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Tonight we were exploring with the technology and right now, purposely I'm in the other room because I'm aware that Noir Alley is on with Eddie Mueller. Eddie Mueller is a film noir devotee and expert right now. Oh, Kiss Me Deadly. Okay. So I've never seen Kiss Me Deadly. You know, um, I was talking about this earlier last week, how, you know, if you search on Amazon for noir topics, books come up. But if you want to dive deeper, like I do, you know, if you type in Bogart hat, the Bogart, because, you know, think about it. Um, the Maltese Falcon, the Big Sleep, Key Largo. Well, actually, no, he didn't wear a hat in Key Largo. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Um, okay. So tonight, they're having Kiss Me Deadly, Mickey Spiel- Spielman, Spielman's, Private Eye, Mike Hammer, Ralph Meeker, never heard of him, follows bad guys Albert Decker and Paul Stewart, and blondes to a smoking box. Okay. There's probably a reason why I'm not watching that. Several different reasons. So we've almost winded down the month of November, Noir November. And I wanted to talk about how next month, because I thought long and hard, do I want to do Christmas movies? No. First and foremost, I am aware that my audience is broad and diverse, and not everyone celebrates Christmas. Okay? I'm aware of that. And I don't particularly like Christmas movies. Maybe, you know, I think we all watch The Christmas Story and It's a Wonderful Life every now and then. Um, But then I thought, you know, a lot of people have said, well, you like music. And I said, yeah. And I love documentaries. And I thought, let's just talk about music documentaries. The Decline of Western Civilization 1, 2, and 3, directed by... um, Penelope Spears you know TCM had this thing about women in film and she is a well-known female documentary filmmaker um, and then just you know here, here's the thing I watched Gimme Shelter and I thought it was disturbing so we're going to talk about that I mean the only I could only say the only good thing for me of that Rolling Stones documentary is I Tina doing Otis Redding's I've been loving you for so long and Tina Turner lets it rip to this day she is embarrassed by that performance but the Rolling Stones were envious of that performance especially Mick Jagger because he knew you could never get what Tina Turner's got he can't serve it up we're going to talk about that within documentary music films you know even Amy Winehouse who some would say is a tragic figure but how she worked as a musician she really knew music. She knew the tempos. We're even going to talk about Bob Dylan. I, In my life, I've met people who didn't like Bob Dylan, who loved him, who didn't get it. I've met people from other countries who are like, you know, there are so much great things about your country, but Bob Dylan and I don't understand. And I'm like, he's a troubadour. He's not supposed to have that good voice, you know. He's... As, as songwriter yeah. and a lot of what he wrote is pretty brutal and people you know think that it's pretty but it's pretty brutal i mean come on 
you know, a uh, hard rain's gonna fall. He's not talking about rain. He's talking about the civil rights movement. He's talking about people who are getting killed within that movement. A hard rain's gonna fall. Okay, the division of the country. When you listen to Bob Dylan, trust me, it's all encapsulated in there. You know, that's that's one of the things we I could talk about the film where Kate Blanchett played Bob Dylan, which is very fascinating to me. You have all these different actors, including Richard Gere, playing composites of Bob Dylan's personality. Okay, but no, we're going to talk about film noir tonight. No film in particular. We're going to save that for next week because, you know, next week is upon us and the end of Noir November. I was playing around the technology and I eventually do have to upgrade my technology because I have this microphone that I'm speaking in. But what I'm doing is I'm flying blind. I don't hear myself on my headphones. I'm recording through GarageBand. And then when I'm done, if I hear any discrepancies within my voice i'm gonna mix it a certain way okay because if you turn the bluetooth on you turn the monitor on it's this wonderful delay which it feels like you're you're having to catch up with your voice i'm going to you know now i know how sting feels you know or or people who can't sing like the spice girls if you notice that's probably why they all sound weird or if you were to ever listen to the real mixing board of Britney Spears, who can't really sing to begin with. I've said this time and time again on this show. I don't get why people like her. I never have understood it. You know, I remember people in my family liked Britney Spears. I was once invited to a Britney Spears concert and I declined. And they were like, why? I said, I don't get it. She came out when I was 18. I was like, what is that? Get a stick. I don't want to know. You know? I, I think teen, teen music's funny. Because as a teen myself, I didn't even like the teen music. When I was a teenager, I was listening to Billie Holiday and um, Nirvana and Tupac. I wasn't trying to listen to the Backstreet Boys. I know. We're, that's not noir. We're veering off topic, but expect with me with the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, we talk about everything, film and music. That is why you could do noir today. We've discussed that. From the girl with the dragon tattoo to Mulholland Drive. I think everything that um, David Fincher touches can be prescribed as noir. You look at Seven with Brad Pitt and... Um, Morgan Freeman you know um, you look at Blue Velvet Blue Velvet was done by it's sad that I forget his name it is and so now I have to go look it up if I ask Siri watch if we ask him who directed Blue Velvet What's it going to say? It's going to tell me. I know his name, but... Blue Velvet. 1986. David Lynch. Thank you. Isn't that sad? I forgot who David Lynch was. Think of Twin Peaks. Think of Mulholland Drive. That is film noir right there. The eccentricities. 
that David Lynch brings out of these. Blue Velvet is such a disturbing movie. And, you know, with Dennis Hopper, you're either going to get disturbing or you're going to get laughter. It's it's always, it's not going to be one or the other. It's just, it's there. I mean, you know, you think of Easy, Easy Rider is not film noir. He directed it. You think of Apocalypse Now where... Um, that wasn't film noir. That was, oh, you know, Hopper needs a job. Let's put him in Apocalypse now because he's such a brilliant actor, you know. Um, but he's seen him come and he's seen him go. And within that era that he crept into, the 1950s, that's when I think noir was starting to kind of slowly fade into the background. You know, you had these... these Rebel, rebel films, you know, James Dean's Rebel Without a Cause, which Dennis Hopper is in, Giant, which Dennis Hopper is also in. He's not in East of Eden, so you can take a rest, you know. If I did a little more research, I mean, I wouldn't even clarify Ilya Kazan. I, Ilya Kazan was such a tyrant, such a son of a bitch. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that about everyone that named names, but there was a, there's a very monumental moment where I remember watching the Oscars in 1999 and they gave Ilya Kazan an, uh, like a, 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 a lifetime achievement award and half of the people didn't stand. And I was kind of like, what's going on? And I asked someone in my family, well, why didn't they stand? And they said, cause he named names. And I went, Oh shit. Like Amy Madigan didn't stand. Uh, Ed, Ed Harris didn't stand up. Nick Nolte, they sat down with their arms folded, looking at Ilya Kazan, like, what the... And, and Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro, who had this weird haircut because he was making Rocky and Bullwinkle at the time. You know, at least he could have put a rug on or something. Yeah. Film noir, you know, a lot of those people who did film noir were blacklisted and that's why i bring that up that son of a bitch Ilya kazan yeah he made some great movies he made some great movies but that's like the same with roman polanski oh he made some good movies but look what happened roman polanski is a, is a sexual predator not allowed in this country anymore yes a, a lot of us love i can't stand rosemary's baby it's disturbing i love chinatown I love the pianist, but the man himself, yeah, you can separate the art from the man, okay? Those of us, I talked about Chinatown because it is a film noir. That's Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, who all, always overacts. And of course, the brilliant John Huston, who knows a thing or two about directing film noir himself, playing a very wicked dastardly character Noel Cross you know where he's like you know Mr. Gitz at the right plight at the right place at the right time we're capable of anything and the way he says that with his voice anything it's like oh god and then his daughter confirms it you know but she's my sister she's my daughter she's my sister and my daughter which is disturbing that's something I don't think that you would ever see in film noir or would even be mentioned. But Chinatown went there in 1974. 
And that's Roman Polanski. I mean, you look at Rosemary's Baby. People weren't going to make movies about that. But what had happened was is that the studio system died. And so people started playing around with nudity and situations. I've said this many, many times on the show that I have no problem with nudity at all. I think this country is often laughed at by European countries because, oh, oh, nudity, la, 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 you know, I think because we have a problem with bodies, you know, um, I remember there was a film, it's not film noir, just, you know, I'm going to get to it, don't worry, there's always a point to the madness, all right, I have this film that I used to take to friends' houses at, to parties called The Dreamers, and it's an NC-17 movie, and we'd watch it and i'd always love the reactions they're like oh my god i can't believe this what movie you brought over it's like a train wreck because they keep watching it it's of course directed by bernardo bellucci who did last tango in paris the last emperor he's always going to do the last something and the dreamers is about these two french um young adults who befriend this american in france in 1968 so there's a lot of nudity if it's a french film there's a lot there there was hoo-hahs and ho-hos whatever boobs everything you know um as i say that i think of uh kate blanchett's uh portrayal of bob dylan where she's talking like that she's like it's clocks it's watermelons it's everything man and then Allen Ginsberg pulls up alongside them. Yeah. Kate Blanchett didn't sing in that movie. Thankfully, she lip synced. I, I love it when some of these actors, they want to learn to sing. You know, Jeff Bridges, we knew who could, he could sing. Is Crazy Heart film noir? No. But you know, Jeff Bridges has been along for such a long time. And if you look at the last picture show, there are some noir aspects in terms of the situations, in terms of the look and the feel of the last picture show. Yeah. And it's Peter Bogdanovich, okay? You know, even Paper Moon. I've talked about Paper Moon several times on this on this series. Um, I know there are some people that I know who don't like Tatum O'Neill, and that's fine. And they said, because oh, she's in every frame of the movie. I actually found it to be very entertaining because she's not totally acting. If she, you know, you can tell there's animosity between her and her father. And the, in the long run, she won the Oscar and her father didn't. And there, she has said that her own father smacked her when she got nominated. That's jealousy right there. That is near, you know, there and there's jealousy and envy within the noir film context see where i went with that i told you there's always a mean means behind the madness there's always a point to it to quote the late the great bill hicks is there a point yeah there's a point i love when he said this life is just a ride so enjoy the ride and he's right it's a ride um I learned about Bill Hicks. He was on a Tool album, and they used some some splits from his uh, um, stand-up where he's like, he's like, uh, today a boy decided that life is only a dream, that we're the imagination of ourselves. Here's Tom with the weather. Yeah. 
And so film noir, what film noir does is you got to think of it. The 1930s and 1940s and 1950s, people wanted an escape. Now they watch reality television, which I don't think is really an escape. Reality TV to me is a form of saccharin. And if you have too much saccharin, you know what happens. Thus, the brain turns to mush. I can only take so much reality TV. I, you know, I like a nice drama. I like a nice comedy. I want, I want something that I can escape to. I don't want to see these people trying to rebuild this or rebuild. It gets a little crazy after a while. It's like, okay. And, and they're excited all the time. Oh my God. And some of them have Southern accents. You know, I like Southern accents, but to see it all the time on HGTV, no. No. That's why, thankfully, we have Martha Stewart. I I love her madness because, you know, a lot of people don't like her. And I've always found her entertaining because you can tell, like great noir films, there's always something underneath the surface. There's something underneath the surface of Martha Stewart. And she's only now started to show us, you know, through her friendship with Snoop Dogg, her humor, you know, I love it when she was like, you know, Snoop Dogg was on my show. It was one of the highest rated episodes and we made brownies and that it's that wink, wink, you know, to the camera. Like, yeah, we made pot brownies. Okay. You know, I myself have never had a pot brownie and I'm kind of glad I didn't because I remember in college we were going to make them, but then the, you have to buy like this butter. And I thought, no, no. I remember my friend asking me, how are we going to chew the leaves? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it was, it was college, you know, <laughs> film noir could reefer madness be film noir. No, but I bring that up and I always have a point to this. One of the great stars of film noir was a bad boy. I could be talking about Shaft, but no, I'm talking about someone from the 1940s and that's Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum got in trouble for smoking pot. Robert Mitchum was on a chain gang and Robert Mitchum had that voice. He had that voice like that. And you know, he did that that psycho like psycho preacher and um night of the hunter night of the hunter and i've talked about it on this show that is film noir eddie mueller calls it fantasy noir or southern gothic um it's so brilliant it's so brilliant robert mitchum to me when i see like out of the past you know, this detective. He And then, you know, later on, he did The Big Sleep in the 1970s. He played Philip Marlowe. But by that time, he had aged, you know. And a lot of, a lot of brilliant stars of that time. Someone asked me the other day, what do you think Bogart would be doing? Bogart would be 120-something years old. It's not going to happen. We're going to prop him up. Lauren Bacall's there. My husband is 125 today. No. No. So it's always funny when people tell me that. What do you think they'd be doing right now? Well, they're dead. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah. A A lot of the great stars of that era are gone. One star, though, 
who may have done a few film noirs, a few psychological thrillers, and television. Who's still with us is Angela Lansbury. Think of it. Angela Lansbury's first film was Gaslight. I would say Gaslight because we live in a world right now that where they were trying to gaslight everyone through fear, through psychological effects. And that is Angela Lansbury's debut film. There is a little bit of noir within Gaslight. You have Ingrid Bergman. You have Charles Boyer. And and then, you know, she did The Portrait of Dorian Gray, which has f- a few noir aspects. But The Portrait of J- Dorian Gray is basically about so many different psychological things. The Manchurian Candidate, Angela Lansbury, I wouldn't call that film noir. But that's more psychological thriller. But then we arrive in the 1980s, when I was born... And she did Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote, she is known for all over the world. And it's always funny, these stars, they get a TV series and then people forget. Like, I've, I've had to tell people who love Downton Abbey. You know Maggie Smith was in films before this. She She's a two-time Academy Award winner who did The Prime of Miss Jean Brody. And California Suite and Travels with My Aunt, uh, Death on the Nile. I love Death on the Nile. Oh my God, is that film noir? Yes and no, because it's it's Agatha Christie. I mean, I've asked this before. Could Murder on the Orient Express be film noir? Murder on the Orient Express is more of an ensemble. A lot, a few of them are still with us: Vanessa Redgrave, Jacqueline Bisset, and Michael York. Uh, Sean Connery died last month, you know. And then, of course, Kenneth Branagh, who who just loves to remake everything. Um, he did Murder on the Orient Express, and then he's doing Death on a Nile, which comes out. Who knows in this in this moment of films, is it going to be digital or is it just? I wouldn't even risk going to the theater to see it. You know, these films, the film noir genre. Sometimes it's it's cloaked within the film, like the the term femme fatale. A femme fatale could be used in a psychological thriller. It it could not just be regulated to film noir um i bring up the grifters because you know we just booted out a grifter in chief i don't call him the commander in chief i call him a grifter because that's what he is a grifter and there's that wonderful film with angelica houston um annette benning john cusack directed by stephen fears and, you know, there's that elevator scene, which is a nod to Angelica's father, John Houston's The Maltese Falcon. But, you know, film noir, film noir is such a broad topic. I mean, we could go on and on about it. In fact, right now. If I go over to the search engine, the wonderful search engine, that's the other thing. Could film noir involve the internet? 
probably, you think of the different situations, or actually, yes, it could. I take that back because we did talk about the girl with the dragon tattoo. Think of what she does in that movie. I'm not going to give it away, but think about it. Think of Lisbeth Sandler, okay, and Mikhail Blomquist. Think of how technology is an integral part to the story of the girl with a dragon tattoo. Ah, this is okay. This is what I was looking for. Blue Velvet, directed by David Lynch, is a 1986 American neo neo noir mystery thriller. So, see, there's three, four different components written and directed by David Lynch, blending psychological horror with film noir. The film stars Kyle MacLachlan, Isabella Rossellini, Dennis Hopper, and Laura Dern, and is named after the 1951 song of the same name. Yes. So, I mentioned that if you've ever seen Blue Velvet, it is truly a disturbing movie. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> I, I, here, here are the questions. What's the point of Blue Velvet? Okay. Here we go. Blue, uh, David Lynch describes Blue Velvet as a story of love and mystery. In order to experience the story of love and mystery, Lynch invites the viewer to enter a uh, hermetic space as both detective and voyeur. So we're talking about the voyeur within film noir. Is all film noir about the voyeur? Yes, it is. Because people have described when Bogart and Bacall would be in a film noir, that it's almost looked like you're looking through a people you're disturbing them and so i don't want to disturb all of you from your soon-to-be impending sleep so unpleasant dreams <laughs>